Go ahead and get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 5. Give me just a moment. I want to thank our board and our church for the kind words earlier this morning. Um, five years ago yesterday, um, I sat or I stood on this platform for the first time and um, preached about the words that the Father has spoken over each of us. I wanted my first message in this church to be a message that affirms our identity in Christ. And I hold true to that today, that you are not a slave, you are a son, you are a daughter. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You are a son who used to be a sinner, but the grace of God has made all things new. And you are now identified not by your shortcomings, but by the victory that has been achieved through the blood of Jesus on the cross. And so thank you, Chad. Thank you, Ben. I also want to offer uh, a heartfelt appreciation to two other men in our congregation, uh, Carlos Cole and Chad Eubanks, who, and if you were here in those early days, and not many of you were, there's only, there's only a few left. Uh, I ran them off. <laughs> um, uh, you, knew, you know that it was, they were hard days. Um, and, but Chad and, and Carlos and your family, Sherry and Christy, and even your kids, you did so much. You worked so hard and you gave so much of yourselves. I get a lot of credit for where we are today, way more than I deserve. But you men, your, you fam, your families, the doors from any logical perspective should have been shut, but you persevered. And while I am thankful to be part of it, so much of it is due to the hard work and the dedication that you put in five years ago. So thank you. I love you guys. Um, I'm going to preach at some point. Listen, if this is your first Sunday, it's not always like this, okay? So please don't judge us too harshly if you're thinking, man, is this, is this all it is? It's not always, but sometimes. Here's the deal, though. I don't ever want to become such a big church that we can't stop and pray for people. I just, you know, if that's, if that's what church growth looks like, then I don't want to be part of that. I want to be, I want to be able to, to pray for people if, if we feel the Lord leading us in that direction at any point. Man, I got something in my eye, y'all. Dust up in there. Um, yeah. Also, and, and, and I want to honor my wife because here's, here's uh, a little known fact. I think I've actually talked about it before. The night before we were to be voted on, I looked at her and I said, let's get out of Oak Ridge. Let's go back to Sweetwater. I was scared. I was afraid. And I was uh, allowing... The, the enemy to whisper in my ear that this isn't, this isn't right, this isn't, you don't need to do this, your, your family uh, needs you to have a stable job, and if I can be real with you, it wasn't very stable around here then, but, but uh, for every word of doubt that I spoke, she spoke 10 words of faith, and she believed God for what in the moment I was unable to believe God for. And she was able to see a future that in that period of time, I wasn't able to see. And it was her faith and it was her love and it was her words that affirmed me. And uh, when I couldn't believe, she believed for me. And so I love you. Thank you. Everybody got to Matthew 5 yet? <laughs> all right. Oh, ooh, all right. You guys ready? Don said, let's go. I can't tell if he was like excited or if he was like, come on now. Get with it. Pull it together, Drew. Matthew chapter 5, 
I'm going to go ahead and just start with verse number one. We're, we're going to end with verse nine. That's our beatitude for today. We are in a series called the Beatitudes, uh, named after the Beatitudes. We've got to be real creative here. This is what Matthew 5 verse 1 says. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now what's interesting about this beatitude is that it's not Jesus saying blessed are uh, those who hunger and thirst for you sh will be filled or, or blessed are uh, the merciful for they sh will be shown mercy. It says blessed are the peacemakers because somebody else somebody else will call them the children of God and it stands apart for that reason, because Jesus is saying other people, not me, other people will see your peace and they will identify you as somebody who has been changed and transformed by the peace of God. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help me in this moment to take all of that emotion and to feel it and to, and to rest in it, not, not in the emotion, but God, in what you have done up to this point. Lord, thank you for five years, but Father, I look ahead to five more years. And I thank you in advance, believing those things that are not yet as though they were for changed lives, for transformed hearts, for restored marriages, for healed bodies, for miracles upon miracles, for salvations and deliverances, God. And Father, as we do our very best to take a moment and extrapolate from your word what it means to be a peacemaker and how we too can be called children of God, I pray that you would speak above all other voices, that we would hear you and that we would be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. I, um, yeah, man, what a day. I'm going to take a nap, I think, after church today. I, think, I don't usually do that, but I think today is the day. You're welcome for that, you know, peephole into my life there. There you go, that, that little viewpoint. So we start with uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Then we move on to those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart. And today the peacemakers, which is to, to, we have to understand these beatitudes in that they are stacking upon one another and each one is further reflecting uh, what the character and the internal nature of someone who has been changed by the love of Jesus looks like. The beatitudes are not a list of commands to keep. They are, they are a posture of heart to be pursued. And Jesus says here in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, well, what exactly is a peacemaker? Not a pacemaker, but a peacemaker, right? What is a peacemaker? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is a peacemaker is not the same thing as a peacekeeper, right? Because peacekeeping is passive. Peacekeeping seeks to remove conflict in hopes that peace will be achieved. The only problem is that never works. That doesn't work. I, you can try it all you want, man. You, you can give in, you can give up, you can give way. But in, until problems and situations are confronted, peace will not be achieved. So when I think peacemaker, I got to be real with you. I, um, 
I, I, something very specific comes to mind. Now, I'm 37 years old, uh, and, and I don't know if people younger than 30 will, will understand this picture, but can you show the picture for me? You can see it, even though it's going above. First of all, one of the greatest movies ever made. Raise your hand if you have no idea what this is and what it's talking about. Lord Jesus, touch them. Empower them with the anointing of Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer and the incredible movie of the 90s called Tombstone that recounts the life of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday at the OK Corral. I feel the Lord in this place today. Put that picture back up. What you doing? I didn't take, take that picture down. Just leave that up the whole sermon. Don't even put the scriptures up. Just leave that up. I'm trying to let my mustache grow out in honor of Kurt Russell there. Should have started about 10 years ago to get to that point for me. That is, that is uh, a replica of Wyatt Earp's uh, 45 Long Colts uh, ar uh, uh, single, army, single action army pistol. Just FYI there. And... Uh, it was called, anybody know what it was called? That's what it was called. Because when, when Wyatt Earp showed up to town and he, and he put on his peacemaker, then peace was going to get made, right? Uh, some folks is going to rest in peace. And, and uh, anyway, I probably shouldn't talk too much about this. I would recommend the movie, but it is rated R for, um, you know, for, for, for violence. And among other things, <laughs> among other things, I've never seen it. Christian just told me about it. <laughs> that, as I told Olivia yesterday, that's not a lie. It's a joke, and there's a difference. But, but, but this is what the world thinks of when they think peacemaker. They think force. They think decisive action. But here's the deal. When Jesus says that you are to be, or rather he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. He is offering to us a peace that does not come through force, but it comes through surrender. Now, now peacekeeping is passive. It is not active. And so you might be tempted to think that the same peace that Jesus offers us that comes through not by force but by surrender might also be passive. But my friend, it is not. It is very much an active peace. It is a peace that you do have to fight for, that you do have to rest in, that you do have to believe for. Now, when the Jewish culture, when Jewish people would, would speak of peace, and even if you were to to look up this verse in the original Greek and then from the Greek take it to the Hebrew, you would see that the word peace there is shalom, which does not mean absence of conflict, which is what we almost always associate with the English word peace. Rather, it means wholeness, completeness, fulfillment, inner rest. And I love this one. This has got a Psalm 23 vibe to it. To live without deficiency or lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not live in deficiency or lack. And so here's the, th here's the thing. And I wish I had this on the screen for you so you could see it because it would probably make it easier to understand it. We are called to live holy lives. H-O-L-Y. Romans 12.1 says that we are to live as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And that is our reasonable or our spiritual form of worship. In a lot of people, a lot of us, and a lot of great churches, and a lot of, of good people have tried to live a holy life, but it gets entangled into the snare of legalism. And so we say, okay, you know, in order to live holy, we can't cut our hair, or we can't wear pants, or, you know, we can't, I mean, you wear something, just can't wear pants, right? Uh, you know, we can't get tattoos if we want to live holy. That's a fun one. We should go down that road one day, not, and I go and do that. 
um, you know, you can't, back, back in the good old days, you couldn't go to the movies, right? Because those were, you know, houses of sin. You had to wait for it to come out on VHS, and then you could have that house of sin in your own house, right? <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun, but, 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 but I, I do want to illustrate a principle. We have been called to live holy. That word holy, H-O-L-Y, means to live set apart. It means to live different uh, than the world that we are surrounded by. The, the, you've heard it, you, maybe you've heard it said that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And, and that's a perfectly good explanation of what it means to live a holy life. It means that my attitude, it means that my actions, it means that my thoughts, and it means that my words have been impacted by somebody, talking about Jesus, who is not of this world, right? He is apart from this world. And so therefore, since I have been influenced greatly by him in this world, I live in this world, but I don't live like this world. But here's the key. And this is why so many people fall into a trap of legalism. And, and, and they act like somebody who's been, who, 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 is, who is crash dieting. You understand? Like if you go on a crash diet, what oftentimes happens, and listen, I speak from so much experience here, okay? You, you, go, you, you go without the foods that you want for so long until one day you're like, forget it. And then little Debbie better watch out because you go into town on some Swiss cake rolls. So what happens is we think, okay, I got to live holy. I got to live right. I got to do everything that I'm supposed to do. And then you start doing the things that everybody else has told you to do. Very rarely do, do the things actually come from here. They usually come from somebody with a microphone who pretends to know God better than, than you do. And, and they tell you, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This is what you can't do. This is what you got to say. This is what you can't say. This is how it has to look. This is how it has to be. That's holy living. And then you try to do that for a long time only to find out that you can't do it. Right? You try. And, but, the, but, you know, something comes out of your mouth. And you go, oh, I messed up. You see something. Oh, I shouldn't have looked at that. You think something. Oh, I shouldn't have thought that. You go somewhere. I shouldn't have been there. And then before you know it, you're like, I'm so frustrated with trying so hard to live right. I'm just going to quit. And then you, then you binge on sin. And the reason why that happens is holy living is impossible to do if you have not been made whole. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who have been made whole. And take the wholeness that has been given to them. Not the legalistic, man-made rules and rituals like the Pharisees of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But blessed are those who live in the shalom of God. And take that to a world that is looking everywhere and to everything to find some ounce of meaning, purpose, and peace. For they will be called children of God. Not the ones who were legalistic, but the ones who have been made whole. Because holy living is born out of whole living. No matter how hard this world, and when I say this world, I want you to understand, I just mean the, the, the construct, the principles of this world. I'm not, I'm not negatively dogging like any specific thing. I'm not dogging anything. I'm just speaking in very generic and general terms. But no matter how hard this world tries, no matter how many people advocate for world peace, no matter how many, you know, pageants where somebody says, world peace, I want world peace, no matter how much of that stuff happens, no matter how safe, no matter how fun, no matter how enjoyable or fulfilling the people of this world try to make the things of this world, I, I'm here to tell you that this world will never give you peace. It will never give you wholeness. It will never give you fulfillment. It's not designed to. Jeremiah uh, 
is a prophet who lives right before the people of Israel are going to be captured by the Babylonians. And he is given this vision from God. He's given this prophecy from God. And he's looking ahead to the future. And this is what God speaks through him. He says, they offer superficial treatments. The world offers superficial treatments. Or in other words, the world is offering band-aids. They're, they're offering, you know, just something, just something to cover up the wound for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. And then today, we live in a world where if you buy a new car, you have got so many safety features, it is straight up annoying. I'm driving my car down the road on Tennessee Avenue over here on the other side of the turnpike in the morning taking my girls to school. And if you know the road I'm talking about, people park on the side of the road. And really, people basically park in the middle of the road if we're just going to be really honest about it. And so I have to cross into the other lane or hit a 1998 Ford Explorer. I mean, you take your pick. And so I go to the other lane, but my car the whole time was trying to put me, it, the wheel is moving on its own back into the other lane. And that's the way the world offers peace. It's like, oh, watch out for that, but go over here. And then, and then, and then Noah, let's go back. Let's hit the Ford Explorer, right? It doesn't work. Some of y'all aren't tracking with me, but that's okay. You'll figure it out in a minute. No, we live in a world so full. Listen, I have pictures of me driving, or not driving. Actually, I do have pretty young pictures of me driving, but I have pictures of me three years old riding. You know in, in, in cars, the, the space they have between the back glass and the back seat where there's that flat area? You know, like, I, that was my car seat. That's where I, I hung out. I got, I got tanned there right? I didn't have no sunscreen. We have all this safety technology. We have all this medicine, all these vaccines. Now, now, now hear me. Y'all just heard the, the V word. And you're like, oh, oh, this is where we're going. No, shut your mouth. You calm down a minute. But we have all these things, all these medications the world says, here, buy this car. It has the latest safety features. It has lane keep assist, a.k.a. hit the back of a Ford Explorer. Here, take this vaccine. You'll never get sick again. Here, take this vitamin. It'll give you so much energy. Here, invest in this stock or this uh, IRA or whatever it is, and, and you're going to get these great returns. Just put $100 or $200 a month or a week or whatever, and then one day you're going to be rich. All these different things. Here, invest in Bitcoin, right? Crypto is the future. And now I'm literally talking about things I have no idea about, just so you know. <laughs> I've just heard these things. And none of these things are bad in and of themselves. I'm not saying safety technology in cars is bad. Like when my kids start driving, yeah, they're probably going to need that stuff. <laughs> I'm not saying medicine is bad. I'm not saying vaccines are bad. I'm not saying investments are bad. I'm just saying they, they can't give you peace. But that's how the world pitches them, right? Here, invest in this, buy this, take this, and then you won't have to worry. But guess what? We always find out at some point or another the technology will mess up or, or the, 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 the medicine won't work or the stock is going to crash. At some point, something will go wrong because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I don't care how hard you are trying to believe, no matter what, this world will let you down. You can't have peace in it. Jesus said it like this. In John 14, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, Peace I leave with you. And then those two words right after there, My peace I give you. What he's saying is the peace that I have as the Son of God, you, you can have that peace. You can have the assurance that I have. You can feel the security that I feel. Because it's not like the peace that the world offers. 
Because at its very best, the peace the world offers is just a Band-Aid. And we all know as soon as that thing gets wet, it's coming off. Right? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I guess if we were to make an opposite, you know, cursed are those who spread trouble, fear, arguments, and dissension, for they will be called children of the devil. Sounds a lot like everything on my TV. Sounds like some of y'all's Facebook pages. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, we're so happy you've been here five years. What did you say? It does. It sounds like a lot of, or rather, at least it sounds like too many of us today. Here's the thing. Our world is so desperate for peace. But not the Band-Aids. For something real. Something that only Jesus can give them. And here's the thing. Jesus doesn't do anything on this earth apart from doing it through his people. Jesus won't do anything on this earth apart from doing it through his body. So Jesus says, I, the peace I have, you take and you give it. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who take the shalom of God, the wholeness, the security, the, the, the completeness, the, the fulfillment, the, 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 the ability to stop striving and start resting. Blessed are those who take that and then give it to this world for they will be known by this world as children of God. But here is the hard truth. You cannot give what you have not first received. And so we are trying to live a holy life and to reflect the nature and the character of a holy God, yet we have not been made whole by him. And so every time he pours his peace into our lives, we're like a bucket that's been shot through and stabbed through, and everything that he pours in spills out. And God did not call you to life that spills out from the bottom, but to overflow out the top. David said, my cup overflows. It doesn't drain. It overflows. But you can't live a holy life if you haven't been made whole. And you can't give peace that you have not first received. So real quickly, and honestly, if I can, can say this very simply, I want to talk to you about the peace that God gives you. You can have peace. You can have peace with God. If there is any bit of guilt, shame, or condemnation in your heart at this very moment, as you think about your life and your relationship with Jesus, you do not have peace with God. I mean, if there is even a percent of shame, if there is even an ounce of guilt, if there is even a Speck of, of, of condemnation in your mind and in your heart right now as you think, if, if you think of your relationship with God and the first thing you say to yourself is, I could do better. My friend, you don't have peace with God. You, you're, you don't have peace with God because you still think God is trying to give you a test that you can pass. When here's the deal, what he really has done is he has signed adoption papers and said, you're mine. That's peace with God. See, my kids, they don't have to earn their, their, their daughtership in my life. They don't have to wake up in the morning and say, man, I hope that I can be accepted and, and pleasing to my father today. No, they just get up and they do life. And they not for a moment think, man, I, I, hope, I hope they accept me. I hope they love me. No, because they know. And my friend, I'm telling you right now, even more than that, Jesus said, if you think a, if an earthly parent wants to do good things for their kids, how much more does your heavenly father want to give you good gifts? And the greatest gift he can give us is himself in relationship with him. 
So you can have peace with God today. Paul says it like this in Romans, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Just, just hold on to that phrase. Been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Here's the thing. The reason why we struggle with peace with God is because we are too focused on our shortcomings and too not focused on the victory that he's already achieved. So when I say we can have peace with God, I think there's an even greater trap that we fall into is that we take that statement for granted because we've come, become so familiar with it. And we allow our familiarity to rob us from the beauty of it. That we can have peace with God. That I can stand in his presence. Unashamed. Uncondemned. And fully accepted by a God who knows everything about me. And he looks at you. And he says, I'm proud of you. Before the foundations of the world were laid, I knew you and I loved you and I planned good works for you. I loved you so much and I look at you and I realize that you are my masterpiece. That's what he says in Ephesians 2.10, that you are the poema, that you are the handiwork of God. And the beauty is this. This is what security looks like. You cannot make God love you less. And I think we, we can know that. And I think we can rest in that. But I honestly believe the more important and more astounding truth that I cannot make God love me less is that I can't even make God love me more. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I need to do better. I need to pray more. I need to, I need to read my Bible more. I need to get to church before the announcements every Sunday. I mean, you do need to do that. Let's just be real. Love you, but come on. At the end of the day, you're not going to make God love you more. Because he loves you. And that's the end of the story. So you can have peace with God. Number two, you can have peace within yourself. Paul tells us again in Philippians, and this is such a great verse. If you've never memorized this verse, this is, or these two verses, this is it. He says, do not be anxious about anything or don't worry about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, if you have a Bible that you write it in, like anybody write in their Bible, anybody? Okay, how many, raise your hand if you think the Bible is too sacred to be written in, raise your hand. Okay, good. I'm so proud that you were not crazy. Um, I was told that by somebody who's like, you, you need help. It's just, it's, the Bible is, anyway, never mind. I won't go down. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rabbit trail. That is the definition of a rabbit trail. Anyway, here's what you need to do. You need to underline uh, or you need to make a mark there at Philippians 4, 6. And you need to write two words, my job. Because that's your job. Number one, don't be anxious. Don't worry. Just make up your mind that when worry creeps into your mind, creeps into your heart, you're going to say, oh, no, you're not allowed here. God told me to not worry. And that's a command. That is a, a command that's, set, that's straight from the heart of God. Do not worry. So instead of worrying, what do we do? Pray and ask and be thankful. Give God your request. So pray, ask, and be thankful. So, so the NLT says it like this. Thank God for what he's done. So as you look back over your life, I guarantee you that if you'll be honest with yourself, you will find many instances where you worried about a situation and God came through and, and, and enough time has passed that it's not a big deal to you anymore. 
So look back at those times. For me, I can look back to five years ago, guys. I'm telling you, I got stories for days. I mean, for days where in the moment they felt like huge situations. There was this one time that the water heater above my office exploded and flooded my whole office. And my wife and all my clothes were an hour away. And I was wet and cold and frustrated. And my office was, had water up to my ankles. That was a big deal that day. But I can look back on that moment now and see how even in the middle of that frustration, God came through. Now, that's a small thing in the grand scheme and scope of life. But I can look back at other situations through my life. And so what we do is we, 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 we remind ourselves of God's past faithfulness. And instead of building doubt and building worry like this world and our present circumstances tend to do, it builds faith, it builds trust, and it builds hope. And you understand that the God who was there for me five years ago, or the God who was there for me ten years ago, or the God who was there for me yesterday or last week is with me today. And my status with him has not changed. My sonship, my daughtership, it has not been erased. I was a child of God then. I'm a child of God now. I'm his responsibility. So I'm not going to worry. I'm going to tell him what I need. I'm going to thank him for what he's done. And then I'm just going to rest in who he is. You write in your Bible, say, that's my job. And then verse 7, it says God's job. The peace of God, which transcends understanding. I like how old King James writes it. Peace that passeth understanding. Can I get a witness? It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So my job, pray, ask, and remember. His job, give me peace, blow my mind, guard my heart. Come on. I didn't come up. It's a Bible, y'all. I didn't make this up. What do you think transcends all understanding means? Yeah. It don't make sense, does it? How many of you, by a show of hands, can look back in your life and you remember where you were, then God did something, and as you look back on it, all you can say is, I don't know. Come on. I, I, got, I can raise all of them. I can raise my fingers, whatever. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. It doesn't make sense. I can't explain it. It's peace that passes understanding. I'll be real with you. Five years ago, it, it almost felt like I worried, or, or rather, yeah, I worried about everything and prayed about nothing. And my wife, man, she's all, she, she'd take post-it notes and she'd put them in my office with scriptures. And I'd walk in. And I would read these notes of encouragement in these scriptures. And my first thought was, oh. You know, because the, the deal is, let's just be real. A lot of times we take comfort in our doubt. We, 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 we want to stay where we are. Because listen, this peace that we're talking about, it is very active. It takes energy and it takes work to believe and to have faith. It takes effort. It is not, you know, we talk about resting in God. But listen, resting in God doesn't mean you ain't doing nothing. No, it's very active. Man, faith work is way harder than physical labor if you ask me. Because the hardest person in this world for me to convince of God's truth ain't you. It's me. I, I can preach it to you all day long. I can believe it for you all day long. But you don't know me like I know me. So when I get home or when I'm in my office and I'm alone with myself, faced with all my inadequacies, faced with all my problems and all my pain, that's when the rubber meets the road. And I have to do the real work of digging into the scriptures, digging into this heart of mine and saying, God, take what's in me, clean it out and give me all you've got for me. Peace with God. And that's the most important. And honestly, I'm telling you right now, I don't know where you all are, but I would have to believe that 
that there is not complete and total peace with you and God completely. Because I know people too well. And for so many of us, we look in that mirror of self and instead of seeing the man or the woman God has made, we see the man or woman that we wish we could be and know that we're not. And that's not peace with God. But through Jesus, you can have that peace. We can have peace within ourselves. We do our job, and then we know that God will do his job because he is faithful and he cannot lie. And then we have peace with our circumstances. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he says, I've told you these things. Go back and read the John 16 and you'll kind of get the context. He says, I've told you these things so that in me, everybody say that two word phrase, in me, not in this world, not in a shot, not in a pill, not in an investment, not in a seatbelt, safety tech, airbag, lane keep assist, hit the Ford Explorer thing thing, right? Almost said Bronco, but I would never want to hit a Ford Bronco. They're beautiful. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. That's beautiful, right? Don't you wish the verse just stopped right there, though? Come on, you can read it. You know what's coming up. It would be so great if, like, it was just John 16, 33. I've told you all of this stuff so that in me, you will have peace. And anyway, so moving on, Jesus goes on to the next topic, right? That would be so great. Because that's a beautiful promise straight from the mouth of Jesus. But the promise does not end there. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. My friend, that is just as much a promise as the first part of the verse. And if you have given your life to Jesus and you follow Jesus and you thought that the moment you began following Jesus or maybe, you know, I, I've heard this before, you know, you started tithing and then you expected that check to just show up in the mailbox, right? But no, in fact, you started tithing and then you struggled to pay your bills. You didn't struggle to pay your bills because you started tithing. You struggled to pay your bills because you buy stuff you don't need. You started following Jesus. You started doing what he said. And you thought everything was going to be great. But guess what? You still get flat tires. You still have car, dead car batteries. Sometimes roofs still leak. Sometimes water heaters explode. Right? You obey the voice of God. You move an hour away. You take your family, put them in a brand new school. And things don't always go like you thought they would go. And we think, because we haven't read his word, that God's done you wrong. And so that's when we find out that our faith really wasn't in him. It was in our hope of what he would do for us. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You guys okay? I know it's almost 12, but it wasn't my fault. I didn't plan that first part. That's not my fault. That went long. This, I love a lot of things about this world. I love this. I love my family. I, I love shoes. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, you like shoes. No, I, I didn't stutter. <laughs> I love brand new pairs of socks. <laughs> I do. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You judgmental people out there. There's a lot of things about this world I enjoy. But this world should not feel like home. Have you ever, any, have you ever gone on vacation and you stayed at a place you didn't like? Raise your hand. You're like, ah, you got there. You're like, mm, this is nasty. Yeah. Jackson, Mississippi, there's an Econo Lodge there. Highly don't recommend. <laughs> Negative 1,000 out of two stars, whatever. 
But if you ever gone on vacation and you walked into the condo or the Airbnb or the hotel or whatever, and you were like, man, this place is nice. Like if you ever stayed, I have, if you ever stayed at a place and you thought, man, I don't want to go home. This place is nicer than my house, right? I've done that before. But here's the thing that I have found within myself that by the end of the few days that we're staying there, I still long for my 1960s bathroom. Yeah, I still want my cracked subway tile, right? Because there is no place like home. Even if it is nice, right? Even if it is beautiful. Even if they put a mint on your bed before you go to bed. That's the only one time we've ever seen a place like that, and I did not belong. It was obvious. there's no place like home and this world is nice and this world offers many great things but it is not your home nor should it feel like home and this world will do its best through technology and through things that are supposed to offer security and help and healing and health to offer you peace but at the end of the day the peace that it offers is nothing more than band-aids trying to cover up a gunshot wound it will not work but Jesus says the peace I give is not like the peace the world gives Don will you help me out so I want to encourage you today to be a peacemaker. I want to encourage you today to receive the peace that only God can give you. That is peace with God, knowing that you as a man or woman have the ability to stand before God, to stand in his presence, fully cleansed by the blood of Jesus, completely transparent with all your mistakes, all your mess ups, all your insecurities, to be known completely and totally by him, but to be able to stand in his presence completely and totally confident in who you are nonetheless. That's peace with God. To have peace within yourself. To know that you know that you know that even though things around you, man, this, this stuff's happening. Things are falling apart. Well, do what Paul said. You go do your job. You remember where he's been faithful in the past. You tell him what you need. You trust him to be your provider. You trust him to be your healer. You trust him to be the one to make a way where there is no way. And even just like the three Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel, you can say, even if he doesn't come through the way I want him to come through, I will stand firm in my faith because all hell may be breaking loose around me. But the peace of God that transcends all understanding is alive and well within me. And you have peace in this world and in these circumstances. Because you know, yeah, I'm going to have trouble. I'm going to have trials. Things won't always go the way I want them to go. And this world will not always be that great. And I won't always feel at home here. But this world is not my home. I wasn't designed to feel at home here. I wasn't designed to fully enjoy everything about this world. I was designed for another world beyond this world I was designed to live in his presence for eternity and so as you take the peace of God that's been given you you can then be a conduit of peace to a world around you that is desperately searching for something they're taking the band-aids they're putting them all over themselves only to see them fall back off and you can then be the person that walks up to them and say listen that's not gonna work but I know what will and so you take what you've been given one 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 more verse you good this is a parable Jesus tells in Matthew 13. Verse 33, he says, He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Or if you've got a, another translation, it might say leaven. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
And then he just moves on and he just leaves that parable in the dust and he starts saying other stuff. And this is probably one of the most overlooked parables Jesus ever shares, but it's one of my favorites. Because to me, this is what it looks like to live a kingdom life. That, that, that I, that you, that we are like the leaven. That we are this small, small, insignificant thing. But when you put it in a, in a bowl of flour, in a bowl of bread, it makes all the difference, right? It changes everything. Even though it's so tiny, it's so small. And so our lives are like this yeast that gets mixed into the flour. And then God does the working, right? He works it all through the dough. You see, you see we, don't, we don't isolate from the world. That's not holy living. That's what a lot of people think holy living is. I'm going to isolate myself from this world. I'm going to be different. No, you're just weird. That's not holy. That's just weird. We also don't imitate this world, right? No, no, I can't allow the things of this world to change me if I want to be the one that changes the world. So yeah, I do have to be different. There is, there are, there is something about me that must be set apart. So we don't isolate, we don't imitate, but because of the call of God on our lives and through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and through us, we infiltrate this world. We are ambassadors of Christ. And as God mixes us into this world, and instead of us being changed by this world, we become the agent of change to this world. And the thing about yeast is that it makes things rise. And so as God mixes us in at the fire department, as God mixes us in at, at, at our construction company, as God mixes us in as we teach school, as we adjust insurance, that's not what it is, as, as God mixes us in as we sell cars, as God mixes us in as we go overseas to share the good news of Jesus, as God mixes us in to work at Y12, as God mixes us in in our law offices, in our school classrooms, and in our families, what he does is he, he works us and he mixes us and he needs us. And can I tell you, it is not always pleasant, but it is always purposeful. And as God mixes us into the environments around us, things begin to rise. Peace begins to rise. And we're not the ones changed. We're the ones doing the changing. So you can't say you follow Jesus if you don't preach the gospel. You can't say it. Because to follow Jesus means that you share the gospel. You got the t-shirt, but you ain't living the life if you don't share the gospel. I'm not a preacher. You don't need to be a preacher. The world needs a lot less preachers and way more men and women of God who are set afire by the power of the Holy Spirit who will allow themselves to be mixed into their places of work, their places of business, the Walmart, grocery stores, gas stations, wherever they go and whatever they do. That's what the world really needs. The world doesn't need more of me. The world needs more of you. I am, we were standing right here and Julia, earlier in the service, Julia looked back at me. I apologize in advance, Miss Blank, if you're upset about this, so forgive me. She, she looks back at me and she says, Miss Blank is here today. Sorry, everybody else. Miss <laughs> Blank teaches music at Glenwood School, just right over there. And I don't know why you and Stephen come to church here. I'm glad you do. Okay? But I, I have to believe at some place in my heart that my Julia and my Olivia were like yeast mixed into Glenwood schools. That as God put them in that situation and in that atmosphere, as God needed that dough, 
change begin to occur. And I, I believe that for my kids. I believe that for each one of us. I'm not raising, I don't care. I, I mean, I really don't care what they do. But I know they're going to change the world for Jesus. And what, how that is accomplished doesn't matter to me. But they don't become world changers when they grow up. They're world changers right now. I'm getting ready to close, I promise. I know I've gone long, but it's my five-year anniversary, so cut me some slack. I don't want to hear you, Pastor Randy, texting me later today about how I preached too long. Keep that to yourself. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. For they will be called children of God. They don't call themselves children of God. You know, it's the old adage that if you have to tell everybody you're in charge, then you're not actually in charge, right? If you have to say, I'm the leader, you ain't the leader. Now, they will be called by others children of God. And I hope that when my babies go to school and when they do life, that, that people see them and they understand that they are a reflection of their mother and of their father. A lot of times my wife will look at Olivia and she will say, you are your father's daughter. <laughs> that's usually when she's organizing and cleaning her shoes, but that's when she says it. Can I tell you though, that you were never more like your father, your heavenly father. When you take the peace that's been given to you to a world that is desperately in search of something that will last. And they will call you a child of God because they see something in you that is obviously not of this world. And it kind of echoes what Jesus later says in Matthew 5, 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. They'll see it and they will give glory to your Father in heaven. So I want to ask you real quick today, everybody, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. First and foremost, do you have peace with God? And if you do not, would you lift your hand right where you sit so I can pray for you right now? Lift it high, lift it high. I see you all over the room, all over the room, all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna pray, you're gonna pray with me. I'm not gonna call you out, but we're gonna pray together. And listen, there is no power in the words that I say, but there is power beyond imagination in the intent of your heart as you say these words. So let's pray this together. If you raised your hand or if you should have raised your hand, pray this out loud with me right now. Dear Jesus, thank you that I'm a son or a daughter. Thank you that I don't have to be afraid, but I can come into your presence in complete confidence, I speak against shame, guilt, and condemnation. I am a child of God. I have been made new. My sins have been washed clean. I'm not defined my, by my past. I'm defined by your love. Help me to live in that every day. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we celebrate that? And if you need peace in your circumstances, you know what to do. You do your job. Go pull out Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. You do your job. And then trust God to do his job. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus says, and I'm paraphrasing here. He says, freely you have received. Today we're talking about peace. Freely you have received. You didn't earn it, right? It's been given to you. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. Freely you have received. Now go and freely give. Jesus said to his disciples, go heal the sick. Listen, you don't, you don't need to be a preacher to pray for people to be healed. You go pray for people to be healed. Go heal the sick. Raise the dead. 
Cleanse those with diseases. Drive out demonic influences. Come on, let, just believe that wherever you go, that you would be like Joshua or you'd be like Abraham, that wherever you go, the, Lord, that, the Lord's given you that territory. Come on, you go to Glenwood School, you, you just claim that place for Jesus right now. That the peace of God that passes understanding would infiltrate every student and therefore then every family that steps on that property. And then be a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. Take what the Prince of Peace has given you. Because that's one of his names. Take what the Prince of Peace has given you. And then as you have received, freely give. In Jesus' name. Would you lift your hands one more time just right where you're sitting? Father, I thank you for my Lifehouse family. I thank you so much, God, for the love that is in this room. I thank you for the unity that we display as believers in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray, God, over every single person, every single family, that you would give peace that passes understanding. Lord, that you would impart joy, God, that is un that we are unable to describe. God, I pray that you we would know you as provider, that we would know you as healer, that we would know you as savior. God, that we would know you as the one who restores and redeems. And God, that as we have received, that we would freely give in the name of Jesus to a world that is desperate, that we will show them through the way we live, the way we speak, the way we give, the way we pray, and the way we love, that we will show them there is a God in heaven, and he loves you, and he has called you, and you don't have to live hopeless anymore, but you can have faith, you can have hope, you can have peace, you can have joy in the name of Jesus. And Lifehouse said, amen. 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 I love you, Lifehouse. Thank you for an amazing five years. Here's to five, 15, 50 more. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.